When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, December 2nd. Tonight is an important one to note that it is 8 p.m. Central in Chicago as we record this. I say that that is important to note because there were actual baseball decisions made today. On Wednesday, we have been waiting for the tender deadline, which was today, Wednesday, December 2nd. Uh, So I note the time just in case more comes out after we record or in the morning on Thursday. Obviously, if it's important enough, Brendan and I will hop back on and and deal with whatever happens like we will for the rest of this offseason. But for now, that is the context that we are going to approach this with. So really, uh, no screwing around here today. I don't have a uh, jokey, you know, stupid intro for you or anything like that. We've got some serious baseball decisions to get into, and I think, Brendan, it's best that we just do that. Absent of what the Cubs did, looking around the league, I don't see any non-tender candidates that, that jump out to me. So I was a little disappointed on the league as a whole in terms of maybe seeing some new free agents that were not initially expected. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. As far as surprises, I mean, certainly with the Cubs, I, I don't think so. We'll obviously get into those. And I mean, just looking around the league, it's it's been 
kind of a rolling process to see how teams were going to be approaching this offseason um, in terms of who was going to be cutting back, you know, based on on what happened with the pandemic. And, you know, we've heard teams talk about uh, their their losses and, and how much money they've lost. I, I think the Phillies owner the other day said they lost $2 billion, which I, I don't <laughs> understand how that's yeah. possible. But, uh, you know, that's what he said. Um, so it's, it's hard, you know, I, I didn't really go into this off season with too many expectations. I think really the only expectation that I have at this point is that the Mets are going to spend a lot of money just based on what their new owner is saying. So other than that, I'm kind of just letting it all play out, but let's get into this. It, it's, it's a big day, uh, in, in Cubs history, I guess maybe that sounds a little dramatic, but uh, especially with the last few off seasons and talking about change and not really seeing that much, we got change today. So if you've been clamoring for change, uh, you got some of it today. So uh, the official moves, and then we'll get into the discussion. How many of these guys we'll talk about individually? We'll see where the conversation goes. Uh, I think one person in particular is going to dominate this conversation, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So the official moves on the deadline, the Cubs tendering contracts, meaning they are still with the Chicago Cubs organization, uh, to the following players, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, and Victor Caratini. They avoid arbitration with one-year deals for Colin Ray, Dan Winkler, and Kyle Ryan. And the big news, they non-tender Albert Almora Jr., Ryan Tapera, Jose Martinez, and the, I think, big one, depending on who you talk to, I guess, Kyle Schwarber. So at the moment, Kyle Schwarber is a free agent. He is no longer a Chicago Cub. And Jed Hoyer getting right to it. I mean, he didn't really have a choice, uh, but with this deadline. But getting right to it in, in, in making some significant moves and, and uh, really one way or the other, I mean, I think really even just absent Schwarber alone and, you know, Almora was, uh, you know, obviously not a, a part of the, the mix as much in 2020, but just those two guys alone, you're already looking at some change, right, we, which we have not seen much of in these last few off seasons despite that sort of constant talk of the offense breaking and needing to diversify things, yada, yada. So I, I think we're going to talk a lot about Kyle Schwarber because I think that's the most significant of these moves. It's the most important of these moves. And, and as we talked about a good bit, it does, at least for now, tip their hand a little bit in terms of the financial situation. So before we do that, though, I always do this. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you don't need me to repeat these things, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? Uh, Here's two things I want you guys to understand. The first is something I always say. I want the Cubs to spend as much money as possible. They are owned by billionaires. They are owned by people who have told us relentlessly that the most important thing is the baseball team and winning on the field and competing for World Series championships. I want them to spend as much money as they have to every year until they are a top contender for the World Series. If that's $150 million and that gets them where they need to be, fine. If it's $250 million, fine. 
Whatever it is, that's where I want them to be spending. All right? We all pay uh, for a lot of $12 Budweiser's and, you know, $9 hot dogs and stuff like that. Like, so that's what I want, right? And that's sort of what we've been led to believe was going to be happening through this process. And for the most part, it has uh, to varying degrees, but it looks like that's not going to be happening now. So that's caveat number one. You guys already know this, right? But I'm telling you, if you accuse Brendan or I of carrying water for billionaires, you're going to get blocked on Twitter. I'm just, I'm just warning you because I, I literally couldn't be more clear about this every time. Uh, the other thing that I want to say is something that I've mentioned before, and I do think that it's important, especially in the context of someone like Kyle Schwarber. We can react to this move, and we're going to, but you have to let the offseason play out. You just have to. Um, all of these moves, right? Even with Bryant. Um, Bryant is someone who they, they tendered him a contract. That doesn't mean that that situation is over and that Chris Bryant is starting at third base for the Cubs in 2021. I wish it were that simple, but there's a long offseason to go. So with all of these moves, we have to judge the offseason in its totality. All right? That, that, that's it. Those are my two caveats, so pay attention to them, please. All right? Um, so let's get into this, Brendan. I don't think either of us were surprised by this. I, I think when the discussions about potential non-tenders, especially as it might have related to finding ways to save money, Schwarber seemed like the obvious choice, right? And I think a lot of the beat writers have written about this. I don't think anybody's necessarily taken aback by this. Um, I I think that a lot of people in the Cubs sphere and really across baseball vary really wildly on what they think about Kyle Schwarber. I think he's probably one of the more polarizing players, certainly on the Cubs of the last several years, but maybe in baseball, right? There are folks who believe that that 2019 second half is exactly who he is, uh, and he will reach that ceiling for 162 games at a time, no question. Uh, there are also people who still think that he is a terrible defender and a strikeout machine, and they'll point to his batting average in some of these seasons and say he's awful, right? Uh, I think Brendan and I are probably in the middle of of that, uh, if I were guessing, not to necessarily speak for Brendan, but I, I think my initial reaction to this, Brendan, is I am all right if they move on from Schwarber. I think that changing up the outfield, uh, you're not going to move Hayward. You're obviously not going to do anything with Ian Happ, who had a breakout year in 2020 and is you know trending in that right direction. Schwarber represented the more obvious spot. And I think with his profile, too, at the plate, represents the easiest path to diversifying this lineup and changing things up and 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 bringing about that change that everyone's been talking about but what i'm not really thrilled with is the the decision to non-tender him and just lose him for nothing i don't assume that his trade value was good at this moment it has been astronomical at times throughout his career right obviously we know this from uh, the 2016 trade deadline. But 
I, I, I assume it was not very good at, at the moment, um, especially in the market that we're in and the pandemic and everything like that. But that's the thing that you know, sort of sticks out immediately is is that you have a guy who, while he has been inconsistent throughout his time in the majors, he's still been quite productive. Uh, and the last time there was a full season in Major League Baseball, you know, he had 38 home runs. Uh, his, his last line, the last time there was a full 162-game Major League Baseball season in 2019, obviously— Put up a slash on of 250, 339, 531 with 38 homers. So I'm okay if, as I said, if we judge this offseason in its totality when it's finished, if they have replaced that production maybe with multiple guys on cheaper contracts, you do some sort of platoon that you put together uh, with all these guys that have been non tendered, all these guys that are free agents, etc. Um, but if this is ultimately just cost cutting and you got rid of somebody who's played a very significant role in this franchise's history and in some of the biggest and most successful years in this franchise's history for nothing that's that's sucky brendan that's that's a a bad place to be uh and it's an indictment of this ownership frankly um I, i i think you know, and don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not, this isn't an argument that Kyle is the most important person in on the team and they can't possibly replace his production or anything like that. It, it, it's not that. But he's a productive player. He's played a very significant role in this organization for the last several years. And you got rid of him for nothing. It, it was a little jarring, I guess, to just see him in, in that same group as Jose Martinez and Albert Almora. Those are guys you can get rid of for nothing, right? If you have a plan and and you just don't think that spending that $9 million or whatever it would have ended up being on Kyle, if you have a plan to to try and replace that and and it goes along with with shedding some payroll, et cetera, we'll see. Fine. And we'll we'll judge that when it happens. But letting him go for nothing um, after you know, everything that, that this team has been through and, and all that stuff. It, it, it stings a little bit, I, I have to admit. The decision to let Schwarber go in a vacuum sucks for all the reasons you said. This was a figure who will go down in Chicago Cubs legend, of course, from 2016, coming back from the torn ACL and being a significant contributor in the World Series. Of course, it sucks to lose someone like that, plus his personality, the camaraderie among his his teammates and and him over the years. As a fan, you don't want to lose someone like that who you've watched for, you know, over half a decade now. But on the other side, the theme right now as it exists in this offseason is uncertainty. So I've seen the, the argument thrown out there in like the Twitter universe is, well, you tendered Chris Bryant a contract that will more than likely pay out around 19 to 20 million for this year. And there's still the anticipation he will be traded. So then why don't you do the same thing for Schwarber? Why don't you tender him that contract, which will pay eight, nine, probably not, but possible $10 million for one year and then trade him and get back some sort of value for Schwarber. I, I get that in a normal year. If this were 2019, 2018, even going into 2020, I would buy that. 
But if you're the Cubs operating under these budget restrictions, you don't know if other teams are even capable of bringing in Schwarber under eight, nine million dollars. And you don't even know if you can give back anything worth value. Not even like a current major league player, but even like like a like a prospect. So my, my point is if you're Jed Hoyer and you're trying to compete this year while trying to sustain your level of success beyond 2021, you need a little bit more of, of, of a certain projection. And to bring back Schwarber, I'm assuming, would be an issue because you don't know that you can even trade Schwarber with that price tag with him. Also, there is a level of energy that you need to exert to trade Schwarber that takes away your time working on other moves. So it's not to say, hey, this is like a non-issue. Trading Schwarber would have been a difficult feat for comparable value. And a feat that's not even certain. You don't know that other teams are capable of bringing in that contract. So it's not a surprise. I think we've been talking about this non-tender deadline for a few weeks now. And on top of my list, Schwarber seemed like the obvious candidate, especially when you look around the league and you see who currently is a free agent. But also when you look around the league and you see all these teams slashing payroll, like the Cardinals, like the you know the Phillies, $2 billion in losses, and other other teams other than the than the Mets are basically doing the same thing the Cubs are doing. So that, that that's where I'm at. It's no surprise. I don't think it's as drastic or severe of a decision as maybe your initial reaction just because we're in a COVID situation. And I empathize with your you know disappointment that he's not coming back. I love Schwarber. I love what he did even in the second half of 2019. But I also recognize that Schwarber's career is defined by variability. It's defined, unfortunately, by several dramatic changes to his approach, to his mechanics. And you get this weird contrast between his contact rate, his strikeout rate that doesn't add up. He makes about league average contact, but he strikes out you know, at a 30% clip. Um, it doesn't make sense is what I'm trying to say. So that that's where I'm at. And I, I also, just to finish up this, these initial thoughts here, I, I don't think it matters that much. And it goes in, in line with the theme of last week where these are not tipping point moves. I don't think it matters that much. I think you can get comparable value for Schwarber in a projection sense on the free agent market or via trade. And I also think it doesn't matter because still the Cubs focus on 2022 and beyond. It's, it's going to be... Is going to be in that farm system development, and Schwarber right now has no value to that development. So that's that's where I'm at. It sucks. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I I understand the logic, and we'll move on from there. Yeah. So just to clarify, because I, I, I think you said I'm I'm sad to lose him or whatever. That's that's not really what I yeah. said. I'm sad to lose him for nothing. That's that's really what. Yeah. It is. Well, what I mean what I what I mean by that, Corey, is I. Like I, I, when I say like I'm sad to lose him, I'm talking strictly from like a fan's perspective. Sure. Like yeah. I like Kyle Schwarber the person. That that's what I mean by that. In terms of his actual on field performance, yeah. Like I, like I'm not sad to lose that performance. I'm I'm sorry. I think and I think it's because you can make that up elsewhere. Is my point? Yeah, that's fair. And again, 
there's varying levels of confidence that the Cubs are going to do that, right? Um, I, I think yeah. the, the more pessimistic view is that they're not going to spend any money to replace Schwarber's production. And then, you know, the more optimistic view is that they'll try to do so in as, you know, cost-friendly a manner uh, as they can, be that multiple people who, you know, cost two, three million dollars and you try to piece that together. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see how that... But we don't, we don't know right, yet. Yeah. Right, yeah. We'll, like, we'll see how thing. that plays out. Trust yeah. me, I understand if you take the pessimistic view um, that this is pure cost-cutting and that, you know, it's not going to really be replaced. I, I get where you're coming from, but I would just prefer to wait and see what actually happens because maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, look, so I think it's it's worth uh, looking back and taking a second. Um, you know, future thoughts aside, um, I think, you know, we'd be remiss not to at least touch on um, some of the stuff that, that Kyle has provided and some of the, the key moments. Um, I, I think he deserves that. You know, he's not going to get a full episode send off like some of the other guys like Theo just did. Uh, but I, you know, I think reminiscing for a second is worthwhile. Um, you know, obviously I, I don't think you can say enough about 2016, right? He destroys his knee a few games into the season. Uh, some people on this podcast were in attendance at that game. I'm not going to say that they're <laughs> responsible for that injury, but, um, Brendan was there and it is definitely his fault though now he's going to yeah. say that it's set up for his return in the World Series so you know here you go I can just do this whole podcast by myself because I know what Brendan's yeah, going to say yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but I, I I don't think you can say enough about that it, it's it's honestly one of the more absurd surreal things perhaps that I've ever seen in sports like that should have been a season-ending injury and I remember him heading to Arizona uh, to rehab it, um, you know, getting the champagne sprayed all over him when they won the pennant and stuff like that. Uh, and then I'll never forget where I was when I read that John Morosi tweet that he was on a private plane and he will be the DH uh, That's an in the World right Series. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really weird to have a vivid memory of reading a specific tweet, but like I remember that so clearly and and just immediately texting you and Evan Altman and just being like yo <laughs> like it's on um and you know of course I mean he was a hero in the World Series in, in the games that he's able to play and DH in in Cleveland he hit the cover off the ball he gets that rally going uh in the 10th inning in in game seven I mean he was absolutely crucial to them winning that World Series uh, and that's something that I will never forget. Um, and I, you know, I would also say that, uh, the, uh, of course you, you know, will remember the taking Garrett Cole deep into the Allegheny, uh, in the wildcard game in 2015 to back Jake, Jake Arrieta in that game forever, an iconic moment in Cubs history. And we talk about this a lot, but those games against the Cardinals, I mean, in the game he hit the ball onto the video board, uh, and just those few days at Wrigley Field, honestly, some of the best days of my life. And I know so many people uh, who were also there and and who reiterate that. Uh, multiple friends of the podcast, Jeff Everson and Ryan Tomier, both, I think, were in attendance at some of those games. And we've talked a lot about how that, that was just like such a blissful 
period of time. Those those two games at Wrigley Field, knocking out the Cardinals, the Cubs just bashing homers all over the place was truly, truly, truly some of my my favorite days, not just as a Cubs fan, but really my whole life. It felt completely surreal uh, and also, you know, really felt like that kind of, okay, the Cubs are here. Like, this is really happening. Like, this group is really, you know, maybe it's not this year, but like, this whole thing is really starting to take shape here. Like, this is actually uh, coming together. This is going to happen. Um, so, you know, and, and and there's more. Like, we could go on a lot. I remember that uh, grand slam against the Cardinals that he hit. Um, and there's there's plenty of other moments, but um, it it, he he was a very important figure in in this era of Cubs baseball. He was a very important figure in the Cubs winning the World Series and and some of their their biggest playoff successes uh, in in this last little run here. And I I don't know what the future will hold for him. Um, we can get into that a little bit. Gordon Wittenmeyer from NBC Chicago talking that. And, and Jed Hoyer reiterating in some of his quotes that they have spoken uh, about potentially coming back on a more financially creative deal, uh, and, you know, that was multiple years, not just this one year. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, given how much interest I would expect there to be in Kyle, I would be surprised if that happens because I think he can get more money elsewhere. Uh, I If... if I'll say this. If Brian Cashman hasn't already called Kyle Schwarber's agent, I will be shocked because he's been in love with him from day one. Uh, But regardless, wherever he goes, whatever he does, he's a part of Cubs lore forever. He has provided some of the best moments of this era. And more than anything, Brendan, something that can never be taken away from him or any of us is that he is forever a member of the World Series champion Chicago Cubs. World Series. Yeah, World Series champion Chicago Cubs. But to, to add to all those iconic moments, the the video board shot, the leadoff single in the World Series in Game 7 and Extra Indians, Schwarber, to me, personified what Theo wanted to implement at the major league level. Like, And what, what I mean by that is Schwarber was always being photoed by beat writers and those terrible grainy photos before friend of the podcast uh, Jordan Bastion joined the Cubs beat but he was always being videoed or photoed as the first guy out on the field in those American flag shorts and he was always someone Theo talked about as maybe someone working too much trying to fix his issues too much And it's not surprising that he was the one to come back from a torn ACL within six months. It's not surprising whatsoever. But I appreciated, and I always had confidence that Schwarber would turn out to be valuable. And he did. Like, he did provide value, granted, in an unorthodox, variable way, but he did provide value to this organization. As a Cub, he's going to finish, if he does not return, with a career 343 weighted on base average, a career 113 uh, WRC plus. And he's going to do so kind of overperforming people's expectations for his defense in left field. Granted, he's not the best defensive left fielder, but he exceeded probably most people's expectations. So I'm going to miss Schwarber's work ethic. I'm going to miss following his changes as much as they were you know, frustrating to go through some of those down spells. 
But he was someone who I enjoyed following the development process because he did change so much. He did change his mechanics so much. He changed his body figure so much. I mean, he mm-hmm. came back after that ACL injury. And remember all those uh, reactions? He looked like he lost like 30, 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's very, yeah. So, I mean, that 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 to me is who Schwarber is. He was, I don't, look, we don't know, right? But I would imagine he's one of the hardest working players in the league. And he has the attitude. He has the team first mentality he never pouted when he was sent down to AAA. came back even better came back in 2019 that second half and completely blew away the competition and last year was an issue it was an issue for you know half the Cubs team so I'll, I'll remember that and he, he could come back right I know the Yankees are an obvious fit for one, they have a, a greater budget, and two, you know, they have the DH uh, cemented in, and Cashman does like Schwarber. So it does seem like an obvious fit. But to my earlier point, we still don't know. We still don't know who is willing to give Schwarber that eight, nine million. And maybe his value is around five million. And if that's the case, yeah, then maybe Theo may come. Sorry, Theo. I'm still, I have that habit, Corey. Maybe Jed will come back and give him that type of contract with incentives while using the extra three to four million to bring in someone else uh, that's currently on the free agent market as like a platoon type role. So there is value, I think, to non-tendering him while still keeping the possibility open to bringing him back. So it's not like to say, hey, Schwarber's gone completely. I would imagine he is, but there is a possibility to bring him back if he's not back I, I think Schwarber will be successful regardless. I just think right now in the Cup situation, you know, it just doesn't make sense. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates. You will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st, and terms and conditions do apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Yeah, so Jed Hoyer on this decision, quote, it was a hard conversation. I called Kyle. We'll definitely keep the door open. We'll continue to talk about ways to bring him back. We had a good conversation. He's a legend. No question about that. So there you go. Uh, We will, yeah, again, like this is a move that is very easy, I think, to judge in a vacuum, but that is not how this will play out. So we have to see ultimately what their plan is for the outfield and and who's going to get these at bats and what's going to go on here do they reallocate that money is that money just gone and it's part of a, a payroll slashing we'll see and and i think there are appropriate reactions uh for both but you know kind of why we always hammer that notion to remind you guys that we want them to spend this as much money as possible. We're not here to justify them cutting the payroll. Like I don't even I don't care about any excuse they could possibly offer up, right? Um, but the reason I, I think we hammer that is because that's the reality, right? The reality is that they're not going to spend to their maximum capacity. They're not going to spend until they're content in thinking that they are a top threat for the World Series championship this year. That the writing is on the wall. That's not going to happen, right? So th- the reason we always bring that up is because I think the most pragmatic thing to do and the most valuable thing we can do as part of these discussions on this podcast is what what are the Cubs going to do to better their future? What are they going to do for the 2021 team and what are they going to do for the organization beyond that, Right freaking out about the money it, it it's a decision that doesn't it, it's not up to us any of us right so hammering on it and freaking out about it just isn't that productive this is the reality so let's operate in the reality and figure out how to forge that path forward and and what that path forward is going to be and like I said I'm not the biggest fan of letting him go for nothing. I, I don't think uh, non-tendering a player like Schwarber is a move that I would support. Um, but I think, again, as I said kind of in the beginning, I, I do think that he represents the clearest spot to make a change, right? Um, we'll see what happens with the rest of these guys. If they try to extend some of these guys, if they trade some of these guys, we'll see. But for the moment, right, let's operate that you have Chris Bryant at third, you have Javi at short, you're going to have Nico at least getting some time, uh, I would assume, at second base and perhaps someone of, you know, the, the Kipnis vein uh, playing there as well, or, you know, somebody, uh, more defensive minded, whatever, right? You've got Rizzo, you've got Contreras, you've got Hayward, you've got Hap. Even if you had brought Schwarber back, even if you had tendered him, I I still think looking at this roster, that is the easiest spot to make a change and diversify this group. Um, we have talked a lot about Kyle throughout the years. Uh, and I think that, we all saw that ceiling that Theo has always believed in. And, you know, if you, you go back and read some of those books about the, these teams and about Theo, the, the effusive praise of Schwarber is really like out of control, right? It's as high as it can be. Um, but it just didn't materialize over 
full seasons. And, you know, he's had injuries. He was sent down. He was asked to be the leadoff hitter that, you know, completely did not work, right? Like we all remember that. Um, you know, how much stock you want to put in 2020. I don't know. So there's all these variables, right? But at the end of the day, going back from 2017, he put up a 103, 115, 120, and then in 2020, however you want to value that, a 90 WRC plus, right? Uh, Was a 1.7 win player in 2017, 3.2 in 2018, 2.6 in 19, and 0.4 in the 59 games he played in 2020. That's a valuable player right? And I think certainly probably more valuable in a normal world, right? Not a pandemic-stricken one. Uh, certainly that worth, you know, 9 million or 8 million or 10 million, whatever he ends up getting in arbitration. The question, though, is not that, right? That's already been answered for us. The question is, is his production and is believing in that production the best route for this team, and for a team that has, for three off-seasons now, talked about their offense breaking, has had their season derailed either in the playoffs or missing the playoffs altogether by the offense, similar trends, similar problems year after year after year. That is the question, uh, and that's been, you know, it's, it's not for us to answer anymore. He's currently a free agent, but I think that that represented the best spot to offer change. And maybe that's not the only spot that offers change. But I think when you're looking at this team, you look at Kyle's profile, and you ask yourself, you know, as we go forward, how much longer can we afford to wait for that 2019 second half to cover an entire season? and to not have those uh, stretches where the production sort of dissipates and the strikeouts tick up um, and things like that, right? And so it's this is a very long-winded way of saying I'm, I'm not thrilled at the non-tender route, but as far as the future of this team, I am okay with them proceeding without Kyle as their left fielder, without him playing 140-plus games as their left fielder. I think that they can survive that. How they go about doing that, whether they go about doing that at all, remains to be seen. But from a purely baseball going forward position, I'm fine with him not being a part of this team. Uh, As, you know, it's, it's, it's not a fun day, you know, when guys like this aren't part of the team anymore and we kind of have to like reminisce and and sort of bid farewell to, you know, more of the guys, you know, the number of guys currently on the team that hoisted that World Series trophy grows smaller and smaller by the day. So it's not fun. But I think from a baseball's perspective, they can proceed just fine without him. It's it's a wait and see game, right? I think the possibility is there to succeed in 2021 without him and looking at the current crop of free agents you can kind of imagine maybe the cubs have wiggle room in their budget and we still don't even know what their budget is so even talking about this is so theoretical at this point but again looking at who exists in the free agent market an example is i mean i i hate trying to like project who they could sign but in these hypotheticals but you see players such as nomar mazara or hunter renfro on the open market and the mazara non-tender to me uh 
I can see, I can see why it would make sense in a non in, in a COVID season, but in a non-COVID season, Mazar is 26 years old, and as recent as 2019, he had a 350 weighted on base average against right-handed batters. You combine his ability to hit righties with Hunter Renfro, for example, who as recent as last season with really depressed numbers still put up a weighted on base average of 335 against lefties. So you can see a, a scenario such as that play out where in combination, both those players maybe make less than what Schwarber will ultimately get in arbitration or what he'll get on the open market. In addition to those potential players, you also have guys in the market such as Kike Hernandez or now David Dahl or uh, Adam Eaton, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, Cameron Mabin, who the Cubs went after. Maybe they bring him back in a you know a fourth or fifth outfielder role and gives the Cubs more flexibility to use another e- name that's out yeah. there. Yeah, and and also Corey, you get the opportunity to optimize your defensive positioning with with maybe Happ in left field, who might be his best defensive position. So the, all all of this is to say that when you separate out a potential trade for Schwarber, and you take that out of the scenario, which I think you should because there is so much uncertainty in this offseason. On the current market, there are players who, by a computer projection model, should be producing more value next season and maybe at a cheaper price. So yes, it does make sense, or at least the potential for this to make sense exists. And that 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 is where I'm at. And you have to look at every move, not in a vacuum, but as a combination of forthcoming moves. And I, that, that goes to your point last week. And I think it's really important to point this out because not even I was considering this. Every move is going to be followed up by a consequential move, more so than ever in this offseason, especially for the Cubs. And so I think you do have to wait and see. You have to wait and see who the left left fielder will be. You have to wait and see who the Cubs may trade some of these guys they even tendered a contract to that might fill Kyle Schwarber's role, such as Chris Bryant in a trade or Javi Baez in a trade. So it is a wait and see game. I do think the Cubs have the ability to be competitive in 2020, maybe even match Schwarber's value at a cheaper price or maybe exceed it with the current market. And that does not even include the possibility of trades. Yeah. Again, I, I think the most important thing here is we have to wait and see. Um, I think, you know, you probably view this move a lot worse if they do next to nothing, and you view it as exactly what everybody asked for. If they go out and they diversify the lineup and they bring in some other guys and the team has a different look and a little bit of a different feel for it. Um, you know, we've said this before, but like, I'm... I'm nervous about all this, right? Like there, there's still some decisions to make. I'm very nervous about Chris Bryant. I, I just hate the discussion as I have for multiple off seasons. But as we've talked about, guys, like y- you have to pick a lane. I, I think as a fan of this team, right? You either want them to make change, and you're sick of the offense breaking down, and you're sick of complaining about the same exact problems, right? They're not making enough contact. They're getting dominated by pitchers they shouldn't get dominated by, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's the same movie with the same ending every year now for three years. You either want them, you either want Jed Hoyer to do the work to try and change that, right? Or you don't. 
You know what I mean? And maybe yeah. the way that they go about changing it isn't ideal, right? Uh, again, but they are with the money it. thing, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> just go yeah. back to the beginning so and just keep here. playing that. I, I need that like as a constant disclaimer on, on the, right. the podcast. But like yeah. maybe the way they go about bringing that change isn't ideal or isn't the way we all envisioned it or, you know, how someone else might do it, right? But at some point, push has to come to shove, I, I think, in that. Either you're content with them running it back or you're not. And either you're content with them shaking things up, whatever that looks like, or you're not. And and I just don't think you can have it both ways. And it, and it feels like, at least just in a sort of pulled back view of social media and like reading the Cubs mentions and things like that, which isn't always indicative of a, a larger population, um, but still that's what we have to go off of. I, I think there are some people that kind of want it both ways. You know, they, they've been hammering, they've been banging the drum to not keep running it back, to change things up, to switch up the offense. And, you know, they, they like you and I, Brendan, they'll, they'll go back to, oh, Theo said the offense broke three years ago and never did anything about it. And then on a day like today, they're the loudest people freaking out that they're doing something about it. And again, if it's all just money-driven and the team doesn't actually change at all, it's just worse, then yeah, like that's not what we all had in mind. That's not the way to go about it. But something else that we keep bringing up, this division sucks, you guys. It really, really sucks. The Cubs even after today, right? Take away Schwarber. They're, in my in my mind, right now, if everybody's roster is exactly the same, the Cubs win this division in 2021 with this team. And if they go and make some changes and they shake things up a little bit and it looks a little different, I, I still think they're going to win the division. Unless one of these teams secretly, and the Reds non-tendered a, a billion people today, right? The Brewers are as cheap as always. The Cardinals are doing next to nothing, Right. Like, unless one of these teams suddenly decides they're going to spend a boatload of money, which they most of them never do, and it certainly doesn't look like they're telegraphing that, the Cubs can easily win this division very, very easily and maybe make some moves that doesn't mortgage the future to do that. So let's see what happens. I, I Again, I totally understand and I'm probably mostly with you if you're in that pessimistic camp that just doesn't think the Ricketts are going to pay, that, you know, Schwarber's gone and they're not really going to replace that production with all. But we'll see. I, I, I think we're all best served not reacting to things that haven't happened yet, right? Because if we did, a lot of people are very mad that the Cubs have traded Chris Bryant uh, over the last two off seasons, which as we're recording this, Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't done, right? A lot of people were mad at that there was even a discussion of whether the Cubs would pick up Rizzo's option in this off season. They did, you know, that never happened. The him Them being so cheap, right, which is what we heard, that they were going to decline Rizzo's option didn't happen. But you get the sense that some people are still sort of mad about it, even though it was just reports on the internet, right? And then even today, (laughs) there was talk of, are they going to tender Chris Bryant? They did. I have no idea how seriously they considered not doing that. We probably will never know. 
but they didn't non-tender Chris Bryant. But you still just sort of get the feeling that there are a lot of people who are actively mad about things they didn't do. Um, So that's kind of why we suggest, like, we just got to see how this happens. We got to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've been hearing for three years that there were going to be wholesale changes and we were going to have to say goodbye to some of our favorites and things like that. And, like, really, for the most part, today was the first time that happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think we just got to wait and see. Um, and yeah. But what I want to ask you, Brendan, and, and sure. we'll touch on maybe some of these other guys because we spent a, a good bit of time on, on Schwarber here. Cool, Corey, I do think wh- it's... One last point before that question because yeah, sure. I'll, I'll forget. It's my, it's my brain's fault. But to add to your point, the reality is, and it, uh, I don't want to put the caveat out there, but you guys know what, what, what we're going to talk about. Th- this this offseason – is so different it is so uncertain and even even if they trade schwarber and they don't end up you know getting a comparable acquisition to fill his role we truly do not know what the hell is going on and i get the point where people are like well you know the rickets should be spending x y and z money yeah i I agree with that, but that that is not our reality. It's not most of these teams' reality. And also, the main point, and this is why I wanted to pause you there, it doesn't matter right now. Like, the issue with this team has been because there have not been major contributors on the offense beyond the first round of the Major League Draft. There has there have not been any contributors from the pitching side in any of the drafts. And so when you look at some of the root issues, yes, I have been annoyed with some of the budgetary restrictions over the last two to three years. But I am more frustrated or disappointed in that we could not supplement this current roster through the farm system, Mm -hmm. through the developmental system. And so when we talk about not bringing back Schwarber or the potential that did exist of non-tendering Chris Bryant, of course that sucks. But it, it sucks because the alternatives don't exist in the farm right now. And that is fully because of the of the recent failures of not developing guys. So that's where my frustration truly is yes you can pick apart rickets in the budget and all of that nonsense but if the cubs front off if the cubs developmental system was comparable to the dodgers to the a's to the astros over the last few years this conversation would be less consequential but it is and that is where my focus is right now yeah i think that's fair and i also think that um you know, today is is rather indicative of some of those failings and, and, and failings to maybe progress even guys on, you know, we've talked about the pitching failings relentlessly, but it, even failing to develop some of those guys on offense in the way that you had yeah. hoped, right? Like Including Schwarber, Corey. Oh, well, yes. And, <laughs> the, and this ironic. is what my question is getting to, and I'll ask it in a second. Sure. But no matter what, like you cannot argue that Schwarber reached his ceiling. We saw flashes of it, but there is no intellectually honest argument that he has 100% reached that ceiling that Theo Epstein envisioned when he drafted him. And someone like Almora too, like never 
really contributed at an offensive level on this team and and went obviously the way wrong direction. And, you know, when we're talking about diversifying the lineup and things like that, Al Moro was supposed to be the guy to do that. He was drafted to be a contact-heavy defensive guy who was different than these other guys. And that didn't materialize at all. So when you're looking at decisions like this, yeah, you have to consider that the development of some of these guys and the progress of some of these guys in terms of stalling out is a, a pretty key factor here. But that that brings me to my question, and, and I'll just ask you simply because I, I think it, it's at least worth touching on. Do you wh- Wherever he goes, right, if it's the Yankees, if it's the Giants, if it's whoever, right, do you think that Kyle Schwarber ever reaches, not the, like the Babe Ruth stuff, like obviously that's <laughs> not shouldn't be taken seriously but like do you think he ever reaches that ceiling or close to that ceiling on a consistent level for some other team uh the front office the cubs current front office is light years smarter than i am if they thought that was the case they well i'm not asking the front office i'm asking you well but but I mean, I if he goes to New opinion. York, Brian Cashman says, "I wanted this guy years ago. I got him now." Do we yeah. see Kyle Schwarber just putting up all star seasons on offense and you know getting himself in MVP talks because he's just tearing the cover off the ball? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I think you put him in the right environment, the right context. I think it's a, a possibility. Am I betting on it? Um, Give me good odds, and maybe I will bet on it. But I've always been a Schwarber believer. That's the thing. Like, even throughout this podcast, you know, a lot of listeners are probably thinking, oh, you know, Brendan, a few years ago, you know, thought he was going to be one of the best left fielders in the game offensively. And yeah, I did say that. Um, And it sucks to see this is how it turned out. It's because you get through some of these adjustment periods, and you see the peripherals line up. You're like, all right, this is kind of what I expected. So yes, I think it is a, it is more probable than not, is what I will say if some of the environmental things are shifted. And I think if he goes to the Yankees, if he goes to the Giants, if he goes to the right coaching staff or gives him new resources, yes, I think it is possible he turns into a 370-plus weight on base average outfielder in left field or as a DH for the next you know five-plus years. I think, it's, I think it is a little bit more probable than not if those environment things are met so that's that's what i will say with that it's not a direct answer i know you don't want to you know yeah, hear yeah. oh well all these what ifs but that that truly is where that's i'm at fair i was just curious um yeah. so getting away from that uh again we'll revisit this because whatever moves they make as it relates to anybody that plays outfield any able-bodied human that can play the outfield it's going to be viewed in this context you decided to let schwarber go for about nine million dollars and did X, Y, Z. We'll fill in those blanks when they happen, and we'll judge them uh, appropriately. Um, As far as some of the other guys, you know, I I think, you know, pretty, like, bluntly, like, the Jose Martinez thing was disappointing. Um, You end up (laughs) trading a player to be named later for him, uh, and, you know, Obviously, now you're just dumping him. So obviously, that was disappointing. It just didn't work. Honestly, I don't though, like, care Corey, like, about that. Yeah, yeah I, I was about care. to say, like, I, I don't yeah, care. I don't about care. He, he didn't look okay, good. Maybe you. he comes back and, and hits lefties like he was supposed to, but he can do that somewhere else. I, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked the potential that, that Tapera showed throughout that 2020 season, but it, it, it did fall off the rails a little bit. 
uh, towards the end. This whole year has been a bit of a blur, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I would have kept him around. I think he had some really interesting stuff, but again, I'm not really losing any sleep over it. I think that this pitching infrastructure has shown its ability to identify some of these guys, get the most out of some of these guys, and even if they have to do it from the bargain bin like they have for the last few years, Hadavi, Breslow have shown the ability to make that work a little bit, so it's fine to me. Um, I, I think interesting, I guess, that uh, you know, they go with someone like uh, Kyle Ryan and Dan Winkler instead of Tapera. Um, but yeah. again, like at this point, I mean, I'm just not sure how significant any of these things are. And of all the spots in this organization right now, I'm going to trust this pitching group pretty heavily because I think they've done a really nice job. Uh, so if that's the route that Hadavi and Breslow and Jed ultimately landed on I'm I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt cuz I think they've been been doing a really nice job and I think they deserve that. Um and then uh you know we don't we can't we don't you y'all know where this is going to end. Um <laughs> it 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 brings about the end of an era, something that we've talked about Here for a really long time. Um and I'm going to I I want to talk about this correctly. Um we have very heavily criticized uh, Albert Almora throughout his time with the Chicago Cubs, and in my opinion, justifiably so. Um, that being said, uh, especially on a day where his his time with the Cubs is 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 over, uh, and his playing time is no longer my concern, and something that I think is actively harming the the team. I, I think it's worthwhile to say, uh, similar to you know, really all of these guys, but I, but I think Almora, you know, is one in particular. I wish him well, man. I, 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 I wish him well. He has shown himself to be uh, a very good person, a very good person off the field, uh, a great teammate, someone that people spoke very highly of, uh, and not to the degree of Schwarber, I think certainly, but Almora provided some great moments for this team. Um, I, I think all of us remember his tag up in the 10th inning of Game 7 of the World Series, a crucial play, a heads-up play, uh, and one that is obviously very important in the context of the Cubs winning the World Series. Um, World Series, yeah. You know, I think in that season, in earlier in the playoffs, that diving catch that he makes uh, and that double play that he turns in San Francisco in that game, um, you know, and and just some of his defensive plays throughout that year, that that one series, I think in Colorado, I don't remember the year, but where it seemed like he was making a diving catch every 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> that was the same time where Javi was going off and becoming Javi Baez. That was 2018, Corey. Yeah, sounds about right. I, they all sort of yeah. blur together, I guess, at this point. I know. Um, I know. The one that stands out is 2016 because they won the World Series. The rest of them just World kind Series. of blur together. In a real but, season, Corey, 162-game right. season. Right. Not they 60, earned it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they earned it. But, you know, it, 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 it's something that we always tried to clarify, I think, rather carefully. Um, the reason that we were so hard on it is because we believed that the decisions we were advocating for as it related to Albert were in the best interest of the team. I, we never had anything against him personally. Um, and, you know, obviously we're not rooting for him to fail, you know, we're just sort of looking at what we're looking at. Um, but 
as far as this move, this was the right move. I'm not going to lie. I would have been very disappointed had they tendered him a contract. It's time to move on. It's time to give somebody else those opportunities. And, you know, again, like this is something that Theo talked about um, last year, I think mostly in in particular, but just, just betting on these guys for too long. And, and just waiting for them to sort of take that turn and, and believing in who you thought they were when you drafted them um, for too long. And I, and I think that's the spot that Almora was in. It wouldn't have cost a lot of money, but you got to move on. Sometimes it's just you, you need to change things up. And I think for his sake, um, you know, a, a different organization, perhaps he gets, you know, a, a different opportunity and, and can be a part of a club in some way. Uh, but that time with the Cubs, you and I have believed should have been over a long time ago, but it certainly was today. But as as with a lot of these guys, I I, I genuinely I I wish Albert well, um, and I you know he has definitely provided not the amount of moments that I think you want a first round pick to provide, and you know he never really as we discussed earlier materialized into that hitter uh, that the Cubs really needed him to be. Um, but he still provided some some exciting moments for this team, some important moments for this team. And as I said with Kyle, I'm not shy to reiterate that he will forever be a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs. So it's not surprising um, at all. And in similar sentiment, I like Albert Omora. Like, I like who he is as a person. I respect when he was sent down and him coming back with the right attitude. Like, I, re- I respect his work ethic. I respect everything about the guy. And he was Theo's first draft pick with, with the Cubs. And he was someone to start following this rebuild with. And that is what I'll remember him. Like, when, when Amor was called up, I believe it was in Washington, um, you know, many years ago now. But the excitement, the excitement that he brought because he was, you know, this front office's first draft pick. And he did, he did have that captain-esque mentality. Of course, Rizzo's the captain, but you saw comparisons of his demeanor and his personality and his commitment to the likes of Derek Jeter. And that was a few people's comparisons early on in his uh, minor league career, just that attitude that he brought. And it sucks losing a personality like that. And it's, it's to say that separating his on-the-field value from, you know, watching them play and getting to know these guys in, in a superficial way through baseball, but you do respect their work ethic and their consistency in trying to improve, and it did not work with the Cubs, and it's not to say that it can't work elsewhere, but we know it has not and likely will not work for the Cubs, and I hope he does find a different team. I hope he does have success. I truly do because, you know, people in baseball, um, you know, he himself, like, like we need more people like Albert Amora in this sport. And so I do hope he finds success elsewhere. It's unfortunate, but it's a long time coming that it's just not going to be with this team. Yeah. So that is the story, folks. Again, to bring things full circle, the Cubs list of moves on non-tender day 2020. Non-tendered, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora, Ryan Tapera, and Jose Martinez. Tendered. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, and Victor Caratini, and inking one-year deals to avoid arbitration, Colin Ray, Kyle Ryan, and Dan Winkler. 
that is the lay of the land. I expect a lot of you will have perhaps some strong opinions on these things, uh, and we will see where they go from here. So, you know, we've been waiting for this day to kind of give us a guide, a visual uh, about not necessarily just the financial situation, but also the whether they were going to completely, you know, sort of just run it back again. And that option is uh, mostly out the window. I mean, just losing Kyle doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't consider it running it back if nothing else has changed, but it's a fairly significant change, at least more significant than we've seen in the past offseason. So, this is the the first of of what may be many important days, uh, but you know now this one is out of the way. Other teams have made these respective decisions for their own rosters. The pool of free agents and and available players has grown, and it is uh, deep, and it will be very interesting. Uh, but now, you know, with these internal decisions, you know the teams excuse me, the, the decisions that these teams controlled by themselves, you know, until this deadline, now with those out of the way, you know, the offseason really sort of kicks into high gear. Um, you know, the the MLB offseason has been rather slow in the past few offseasons. It's kind of taken a while for a lot of this to get sorted out. So I don't know what that's going to look like uh, for this particular offseason. I mean, you, you, you still, they don't even know whether there's going to be a DH because the MLB is just a mess, right? Um, the way Manfred run th- runs things and things like that. I, how you can be in December and not know whether the teams in the NL are going to have a DH or not. I have no idea how you could possibly operate a league like that. But it's all just to say it might take some time still for teams to make these decisions because they literally don't know the rules they're going to be playing under or how long the schedule is going to be or if there's fans or all these other, you know, questions. Uh, for these questions and more, tune in next week. Um, but it's all just to say that these this was an important deadline to kind of set the the table for spending and free agency and and kicking the trade market into gear and things like that and it's out of the way the cubs have made those decisions that i listed and we proceed forward uh so as we talked about like there's a lot of ways to look at where this team is going the moves they made today and the moves they're going to make in the future but i i think where where the focus needs to be is what is that path the Cubs are going to take as it relates to their long-term future and then obviously the short-term future of the team in 2021, how competitive that team is going to be and and where they sort of find themselves in uh, the rankings amongst the NL Central, the National League, and, and obviously Major League Baseball as a whole. So the answers to those questions and more coming at a date to be determined whenever the MLB offseason sort of gets going and uh, Jed gets to work. But, you know, now he's got those internal decisions out of the way for the most part, at least for now, and he can kind of turn to the the, the bigger pond and all the available fish in there, and we'll see what he churns up. Uh, but an interesting day. Uh, again, the the best wishes to all these guys who are no longer with the Cubs. Uh, and I think in particular, more than anyone, Kyle Schwarber and Albert Almora, who have been a part of this team for several years now, some huge moments. Uh, and of course, we're a part of the 2016 World Series champion, Chicago Cubs. So as with 
everything else, uh, we will jump back on here if anything important happens. Uh, you know, now again, that you have this deadline out of the way, it can be months before we get some significant action. It could be tomorrow. I, I, I don't know. But we'll be ready to break it all down. As always, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, to reiterate, thank you guys again, you know, for sort of uh, letting us operate on this varied schedule. I know some of you, uh, you know, it's a little easier if, if the episode drops on Monday and you can have that for uh, if you're still making a commute or if you're working from home, whatever it is. Uh, but obviously with a lot of these things, with the Cubs making front office changes, with this non-tender deadline being on a Wednesday, things like that, obviously just makes sense for us to wait for the big topics uh, rather than the podcast being outdated in 20 minutes, which uh, I always expect it to be. But if we can avoid it, it's helpful. So appreciate you guys sticking with us in that regard. Appreciate you guys listening, engaging, and we'll we'll get through whatever happens here. We're going to get through this together, uh, I promise. But uh, either way, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.